you were at the Easter egg hunt last year? Do you remember all them Cadbury eggs that, that, that showed up and we gave away? We froze about eight cases of those, and so we've, we've got a whole bunch of Cadbury eggs. There's more to give away this year, and so I'm going to start thawing them out today. My wife will eat the whole, anyway. If it's chocolate, man, it's, it's going to go. Anyway, come and be a part of that. Um, Brother Chasen wanted me to let you know that if you've ordered uh, some of the water bottles, some of those are in, they're back on the sound booth, you can grab uh, Brother Chasen and, and he can get those uh, lined out. If you're wondering kind of what they look like, uh, these are the $8 ones, these are the aluminum ones, there's also some white plastic ones. You can have whichever church logo, uh, whether it be the youth ministry or young adults or uh, the regular church logo, children's ministry. Uh, you can have any logo put on the bottle that you'd like. Uh, even your own personalized logo, uh, you can have that, maybe your, your initials or something of that nature. Brother Jason's willing to work with you because he wants, Brother Jason's not up there, Brother Jason's willing to work with you uh, because it's a fundraiser for our kids to go on their mission trip. And uh, so any, any involvement would be greatly appreciated. Um, ready to worship the Lord with you today, and I know you guys are ready to, to go after the Lord. I need the ushers to come today. We want to receive our Sunday morning. Why don't you guys stand with us this morning, please? Thank the Lord. You guys are a blessing. I appreciate you so much. Isn't it good to give into the building of the kingdom of heaven? Amen. Let's ask the Lord to bless this offering. Father, we ask you today to take our gift, Lord, our offering, and Lord, that you would multiply it. God, we pray that, that you would just cause it to be built up, God, to, to meet every need, God, cause everything to be supplied, every missionary to be cared for, God, every uh, bill to be paid, God, everything that you need done, God, let it be done. And God, for the glory of your kingdom, for your name's sake, we're not given to a church, we're not given to a man, we're given to you today, Lord. We ask you to bless it for your glory. We give you all the praise and honor in Jesus' name, amen and amen.
The song says, Worthy He is worthy. Come on, let's lift up praise unto our worthy God and King. All around this room, Father, you're worthy. We lift up our praise before you, Lord. You are worthy, you are worthy, you are worthy. God, you are holy and righteous. We glorify your name this day. We praise you, O oh God. Holy, holy, holy. 
worthy, worthy. Lord, we praise you, God. We adore you, God. We exalt you. Come on, church, lift your voice. Open your, open your voice and lift your praise. We made the statement Wednesday night that when we say the word worthy, it's a, a description and a, an explanation of worth. What's your Lord worthy to you? What's He worth in your life? What's He worth of your praise? Come on, lift your voice and open your heart and, and let the worth of God be ministered through your praise. and honor. You're worthy of every ounce of strength in my body. Every heartbeat, God, it flows from you. I wouldn't have a heartbeat, God, if it weren't for you. God, I lift up praise and honor and glory and worship. God, you're mighty, you're holy, you're precious, you're glorious, Lord. You're righteous in all your ways. God, we speak the ministry of healing around this room. Any sickness, any infirmity must go and flee in the name of Jesus. Lord, we speak for those who aren't able to be here today. We speak the ministry of healing to, to, to heal them, to lift them up, to bind up broken hearts, to, to mend broken spirits, God, to open blinded eyes and to cure deaf and ears right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, anything that hinders, anything that takes away from, any interruption, God, any distraction, God, may it be removed and taken away. And may our full attention, our full focus, God, be given over to you today. God, it's never, ever, ever, ever about us, but God, it's always for your glory, for your name's sake, because God, you're worthy, worthy, worthy. Glorious God, righteous King. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, church, give Him praise. Give Him praise. Come on, church, give Him praise. Give Him praise today. Holy, holy, worthy, worthy God. Glory and praise. Oh, isn't he faithful and good to us today? Turn and greet someone this morning. Let them know you love them and how glad you are to see them today. Thank you guys for being here this morning. I am excited about today. I'm excited about what the Lord's going to do this day. Got some exciting things that He has for us through the Word. And I'm glad to see every one of you. And every one of you deserves a reward for being here, an award for being here. Uh, I don't have a reward for you this morning. Don't get excited. <laughs> every one of you deserves an award for being here. But I would say a lady who just gave birth uh, Saturday, Friday, Friday, uh, too soon to be in church. Uh, there's a, a brand new mama and a brand new daddy. Allison, Hunter, we're so proud of you both and that beautiful baby. Wow. Girlfriend, you had at least a week to milk that thing. I'm, I'm telling you, you could have had him waiting on you hand and foot for at least a week. And so... Uh, still do, okay? Still do. Uh, we're, we're so happy you guys are here. Thank you for, 
uh, for bringing the baby. Please don't leave before I can come back here. And... I love you guys. I'm, I'm honored. I'm excited. Uh, I can't help but be excited. Uh, Brother Randy uh, brought to my attention also men's breakfast is this coming Saturday. Uh, I want to invite all the men to come out uh, and, and hang out after breakfast to help us put out Easter eggs. And so uh, that's going to be a great time in the Lord. Um, it, I'm ready to get to the Word today. I'm ready to get to the Word today. Will you join me in worshiping Him one more time right there where you're seated? And let's just begin to praise our God and King. Father, we love you today. God, we worship you in this room together. Lord, we lift our voices. We blend our hearts to, to declare your praise and your glory, your worship and your honor, God. Truly, you are the only one worthy of all the praise and the glory. God, we thank you today for who you are and what you're about to do. You're mighty and you're holy. Hallelujah and glory be unto your name. Jesus, amen and amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. How many are grateful today for the love of Almighty God? First John chapter 4 verse 8 declares that our God is love. You cannot separate love from God. God and love are synonymous. They're one and the same. God and love are, are exactly the, the same person. Our God is the God of love. Over this last week, as I began to study and I began to prepare and I began to pray, uh, quite honestly, over the last month, as I've been preparing for, for the, the very special upcoming Easter service and, and all the services that we've been having, that, that thought and that idea of the love of God has, has ran through my mind over and over and over again. Especially as we head into this, this Passion Week. Uh, especially as we head into the, the, the time of, uh, of Jesus entering Jerusalem, riding on the back of that donkey's colt. Uh, especially as we head into the time of, of Jesus understanding what lied before Him, but, but yet He followed through with it anyway. Thank God for the love of Almighty God. How many are grateful today? Uh, I believe God loves you. I believe God cares about you. And uh, He doesn't want you to hurt. He doesn't want you to, to go through hard times. I believe the things that, that break your heart break the heart of Almighty God. God loves you that much. He, he cares about you as an individual. He cares uh, about every hair that's on your head. And He even cares about the ones that fall out from time to time. Amen. God, God cares about every need in our life. Our Heavenly Father loves you so much. He cares about you so much that He sent the very best that heaven had to offer. Uh, and and the, God the Son cares about you so much that He was a willing participant. He came uh, to live a life without sin, to go to that cross of Calvary, to, to take the stripes on His body. Thank God He loves us that much. God the Holy Ghost loves you so much that He came to live alive inside of you that you wouldn't be an orphan, that you wouldn't be empty, that you wouldn't be lonely, but that He would be there to live alive inside of you today. Thank God today for the love of Almighty God. The really good news is God loves us so much that He'll accept us exactly the way we are. We can come to Him with all of our failures, with all of our faults, with all of our mistakes, with all of our shortcomings, and God will accept us just the way we are. But here's the even better news. God loves us too much to leave us the way we are. He wants to work on us and make us better than we ever thought we could be. How many are grateful that God loves you today? Hallelujah. Have you ever had the opportunity to be around someone, uh, maybe a friend, a family member, maybe a co-worker, someone you knew who, who could take that sow's ear and turn it into a silk purse? Yeah. 
Anybody know somebody like that? Somebody who could take something that they found in a junk pile or maybe in a trash pile and work on it and polish it and turn it into something that looks really good, something that's really nice, and uh, maybe an old lawnmower blade and turn it into a, a really nice knife to give away to, to a friend or, or someone you care about. I, I've known a lot of people in my life who could take some old junky car that they might have found parked out in the middle of a field somewhere uh, like Clint and Jonathan and, and begin to polish it and begin to work on it and begin to, to, to restore it. They, they'll strip it down to the frame and, and they'll begin to sand all the, the rust away. They'll push all the dents out of it. They'll restore the broken glass. They, they go through the process of restoring that old piece of junk car and by the time they finish with it, it's something to roll out on the showroom floor. It's brought back to its original state and many times it's made even better. Can I tell you today that that's exactly the process that our God does in our lives? The word of the Lord teaches us in the book of Psalms chapter 23 verse 3. He restores my soul. Come on, that ought to make some of you shout today. He's the God of restoration. He's the God who will restore your soul. He's the God who can take away all the rust and the dents and the dings and broken glass and He can turn it into something beautiful today. The thing about these people who restore these old cars, uh, Brother Clint and, and Jonathan, I think about them an awful lot when I think about restoration. Uh, they, they can see past the, the junk pile. They can see past the rust. They can see past the dents. They can see past the broken glass. And they can see what that car can be if it's turned and worked on and, and turned into something better than it ever could have been. Do you know that's exactly what God does in our lives? God sees past your dents. God sees past your rust. Come on, some of us are rusty today. God sees past your broken glass. And God sees the beauty that lies within you. And he begins this process of restoration. He begins this process of working on us. Listen, it doesn't matter if you were saved this last week or you've been saved 500 years, you're in the process of God working on you. And the truth of the matter is we all need God to work on us. I think when we get saved, we ought to have this poster to hang around. We ought to have this poster to hang around our necks. I'm a work in process. You don't like me the way I am right now, just hang on. God's still working on me. He's still getting past all the broken pieces. He's still getting past all the rust. He's still getting past all the dents and the dings. He, he's still trying to, to make me into the thing of beauty that He wants me to be. And, and here's the good news. God's not finished with any of us yet. Uh, it doesn't matter who you are, what you are, where you came from, or, or how long you've been attending church. God is still in the process of making us better. I believe today that if we'll allow the process to go on, sometimes MO cars can be resistant. Sometimes it's hard to find the right parts. Sometimes they don't want to be shaped into a thing of beauty. Sometimes that car doesn't want to let the rust go away. It takes a little extra time to turn something that, that was broken and, and dismantled back into a thing of beauty. Sometimes that vehicle can be resistant. And church, friend, let me tell you, sometimes we can be resistant to the work in progress that God wants to do in our lives as well. 
But if we'll be a willing participant and say, Lord God, work on me, shape me, make me, mold me, make the broken glass go away, God, make me better than I ever thought I could have been, then, friend, I promise you today, you can be made better by Jesus. Find your Bibles today. We're going to the book of Mark this morning. I want to talk to you today about being made better by Jesus. How many know you can be made better by Jesus? I got a better wife today than I ever thought I could have had because she's been made better by Jesus. I'm a better husband to her than I ever could have been because I've been made better by Jesus. Jesus will make you better in every area of your life if you'll allow Him to. Mark chapter 11 verse 1. The Bible says, Now when they drew near Jerusalem to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, He sent two of His disciples and He said to them, Go to the village opposite of you, and as soon as you have entered it, you'll find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, Why are you what are you doing? Uh, then say, The Lord has need of it. And immediately he will send it here. And so they went their way and found the colt tied by the door on the street, and they loosed it. But some of those who stood by uh, said to them, why, why are you doing this? Why are you loosing the colt? And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded. And they said, uh, so they said, let them go. Excuse me. So they spoke to them just as Jesus commanded, and so they let them go. They brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it, Fonzie. And, and he sat on it. And many spread their clothes on the road, and many cut down leafy branches and trees and spread them on the road. And, and those who went before them, who followed them, cried out, saying, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple. And so when he looked around at all things, the hour was already late. And he went into Bethany with the twelve. Let's pray together. Father, Lord, thank you today for your word. Lord, I pray today that our hearts are turned toward you through it. God, I pray today that all of our, our scratches, our dents, our dings, our broken glass, God, uh, the, the mistakes, the failures of the past, the mistakes we continue to make in our lives, Lord, you make those things better by Jesus Christ, your Son. And Lord, I pray today that, that every set of ears would be attentive. I pray hearts would be open and receptive. I, I ask you, Lord God, to leave nothing undone this day that you wish to do. God, for your praise, for your glory, let souls be saved. God, for your praise, for your glory, let bodies be healed. God, for your praise, for your glory, let the empty be filled to overflowing. God, that your name may be renowned. God, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's give him one more hand clap if you wouldn't mind, please. I believe today we can be made better. If we'll allow the work to go on. How many believe that today? The, the truth is it's only when we are resistant to the process uh, that we're not going to be made better. See, we all have room for improvement. How many would amen that one today? Every one of us have room for improvement. Uh, how many would confess this morning that your desire is to be made better by Jesus Christ? I want to be made better. I want to be a better husband tomorrow than I am today. I want to be a better Christian tomorrow than I am today. I want to be a better pastor tomorrow than I am today. See, I don't believe there's such thing as a stopping point in making ourselves better or allowing the Lord to make us better. 
It's a continual, ongoing process. We continue to grow. We continue to mature. And it doesn't matter if you're 5 or 555. We all have room for improvement. How many believe that today? The, the place we find ourselves in Scripture this morning is known as the triumphal entry. It's the place where Jesus entered Jerusalem knowing that the cross was drawing near. It was the beginning of Passion Week. Triumphal entry would have, would have happened just days prior to the beating and the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, what we know about Palm Sunday, what we know about what we celebrate today is that this was when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the back of that donkey's coat. This is the day when people put their cloaks or their clothing or their coats in the road before him. This is the day when they would cut palm branches off the trees and begin to wave them and lay them in the road before them. This is the day when the people would begin to proclaim and shout, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna! Hosanna! Or save now! Save us, Lord. Save us, Lord. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. These people that were gathered on that day were looking for this, this man coming into town, riding this white stallion to, to come and set up an earthly kingdom, to, to set up an earthly rule and an earthly reign. They were expecting Jesus to come as, as the, the Messiah, to come and to deliver them from their bondage. But Jesus didn't come to establish an earthly kingdom. Jesus came to declare a heavenly one. He didn't come on a, on a white stallion, high and mighty. He came on a donkey, low and, and, and humble before the people. He came to set them free not physically but spiritually aren't you thankful today for the spiritual freedom of Jesus Christ this morning some of these same people here at the, the triumphal entry as Jesus rode into Jerusalem the ones who were shouting Hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord would be among some in the same crowd that just a few days later would be shouting out crucify Crucify, crucify him, put him to death, kill him, give us Barabbas, kill him, give us Barabbas, kill him, crucify. Sad and heartbreaking. I believe here the word of the Lord teaches us this morning about how awesome this triumphal entry would be. It changed the world for you, it changed the world for me. I'm thankful that this was the beginning of the Passion Week. But church, I didn't come this morning to focus on the triumphal entry. I didn't come this morning to talk about the Passion Week. I came this morning to declare the transformative power of Jesus Christ. I came this morning to tell you that if you're broken, I came today to tell you that if you've got dents and dings and scratches and broken glass, uh, that Jesus Christ has the power to transform it. He's got the power to make it better. He's got the power to fix what's broken in your life. Come on, I believe that if we're all honest with ourselves that we'd have to admit we've all got room for improvement. And I submit we can all be made better by Jesus. It doesn't matter how long you've been saved or if you're not saved at all. The fact of the matter is Jesus has the power to make us all better today if we'll simply allow the process to go on. So how can we be made better by Jesus? Well, the first thing I want to point out is this. It takes obedience to be made better by Jesus. Look at verses 2 through 4 with me. Verse 2 in the Word of the Lord today says this. Verse 2 in the Word of the Lord today says this. And He said to them, Go into the village opposite of you, and as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied 
on which no one has set. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it. And immediately he will send it here. And so they went their way. They found the colt tied by the door outside on the street and they loosed it. Praise the Lord. I believe God will honor a willing, obedient servant above all things. God places great value on our obedience. How many understand that today? The Word of the Lord puts a lot of importance on obedience. God Almighty puts a lot of importance on our obedience. In the book of 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, the Bible says, Behold, it's better to obey than to offer sacrifice. What's that mean, preacher? That means it's better to be obedient unto God than to put money in the offering plate. That means it's better to be obedient unto God than to offer lambs and doves and the sprinkling of the ashes of heifers. That means it's better to be obedient to God than to offer any form of sacrifice you think you might be being. God puts greater value on your obedience than He does on your sacrifice. God expects His people to be obedient just like we expect our children to be obedient. The Word of the Lord says that children are supposed to obey their parents. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord for it's right. You know that word goes on to say, uh, and so that you may have long life. That means parents, if they don't obey, it's okay for us to kill them. Or at least put the fear of God into them that they think they're going to die. Amen. It's all right to, to, to teach your children obedience. We expect little Johnny when we say, Hey, Bubba, take the trash out. We don't expect the trash to be sitting in the kitchen when we get home from work. Why? Because we said do and we expected them to react. We expected them to respond. I mean, oh God, as our Heavenly Father. I mean, oh God, as your Abba Daddy. I mean, oh God that created the heavens and the earth should be able to expect the same thing out of His children as well. If we expect our children to obey, how much more does our Heavenly Father expect His children to obey? Jesus told His disciples to go into the village to go get this colt. He told them exactly where it was going to be, and that's exactly what they did. They responded to the words that Jesus had spoken to them, and they did appropriately to what He had asked of them. Notice they did not second-guess Jesus. Notice they did not read more into what He said than what He'd actually said. Well, I wonder what He meant by that. They didn't try to change the direction that Jesus had given them. They didn't try to make it easier on themselves. Well, y'all don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. You know, we like to make things easy on ourselves. Well, I know the Lord said do this, but maybe if I do this... Well, I know the Lord's calling me to this, but, but maybe if, I, if I'll just go to this far instead of over here where He's calling me to. Maybe if I'll meet God halfway. When Sister Vaughn and I was first married, that was our, that was our tagline. Love you, love you. Uh, give me, I need a kiss before I walk out the door. Meet me halfway. And she'd come halfway, and I'd come halfway. And if she didn't think my halfway was far enough, she'd take a step backwards. <laughs> I came further than you did. Listen, God stands with open arms. God's given us instructions continually. But God expects us to do more than meet Him halfway. God expects us to be obedient to the letter of the calling that He's called us to today. 
Not just sometimes, not just part-time, not just when we feel like it, not just when the sun is shining and the birds are singing zippity-doo-dah day. God has called us to be obedient to His Word all the time. Obedience to things like repentance and salvation. Acts chapter 3 verse 19 says, Repent therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, and so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. When God said repent and turn from your wicked ways, that's exactly what God meant for us to do. Obedience to the word of the Lord doesn't mean, God, I'm going to halfway repent. Repentance means I'm walking down a path this direction and God called me to repentance. He saved my soul. He turns me around and now I'm going the other way instead of walking in my sin nature. Now I'm walking in the God nature that He's called me to live in. Repentance. Obedience to His Word in repentance. Obedience to His Word to love the people around us and to love the God who created us. Matthew 22, 37 Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus breaks it down and makes it pretty simple dimple for all of us hard-headed folk. Jesus said, love God, love people. Love God. Jesus said, this is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it. Love God, love people. Obedience to His Word means I'm going to love God and I'm going to love people. How many know sometimes it's easier to love God than love people? Honest folks, I love y'all. The fact of the matter is some people are unlovable. Some people are porcupines. You ever tried to hug a porcupine? You're going to get stuck. They've got all these quills. They've got all these stickers sticking out. And if you reach over to, okay, let me make it more simple for us southern Oklahoma people. A cactus. A prickly pear cactus. There's plenty of prickly pear down here in southern Oklahoma, right? Have you ever reached over and picked up a prickly pear? I got the brainiac idea. I wanted to plant some of that around my house. It gets these big old yellow flowers on it. And I thought, man, that's pretty. Let's transplant it and bring it to the house. And and that'll decorate the flower bed. Do you know that if you even put leather gloves on, it'll go right through them leather gloves and end up in your... I've got a knot on the back of that finger. There's a prickly pear thorn right there, fellas. And then, you know, you start doing this number. Same way with people, y'all. We love people. We want to love people. We try to love on people. And then they're like a a prickly pear cactus. They've got tiny little needles that'll stick in you and stay in you. And so that the next time you try to love that person, you go, you know, last time I tried to love on you, you stuck me. The last time I tried to be nice to you, you hurt me. The last time I tried to reach out to you, you, you were not receptive to my love, and so I'm not going to love you anymore. The Word of the Lord teaches and tells us that if we love our God, but we hate our brother, we're a liar. You know what I learned about Jesus? I, I know you're not going to like this part, and I probably won't get an amen in the house, and that's fine. 
But Jesus, all the way to the cross, kept forgiving. He 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 kept forgiving. And we've got this idea, this ideology in our minds, I'm only going to forgive you so many times. I'm only going to go so far with you. I'm only going to try to love on you so many times. I'm only going to try to be nice to you so many times. Did Jesus ever stop trying to be nice to you or me when we were living in our sin? He kept reaching. He kept loving. He kept embracing. And I'm so thankful today that He still loves us. Obedience to His Word, to to love our brothers and our sisters. Obedient to repent. Obedient to bring our whole tithe into the storehouse. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. The Lord says, Try me in this uh, and see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out such blessing that there's not room enough to receive it all. Oh, here goes that money-hungry preacher preaching about tithes and offering again. Friend, i got to be quite honest with you. I don't care if you ever pay your tithes again or not. That's between you and God. You don't pay my salary. You don't keep the lights on in this church. You're not paying the staff's salary. Uh, you may think, well, I'm, I'm blessing them people. No, friend, the Bible says that your tithe and your offering is between you and God. Uh, and you're not bringing your tithes to give it to the preacher. <laughs> years and years and years ago, the very first church we pastored, we had a little lady in the church. She didn't necessarily like the church, but she liked the preacher. And so what she did was she wouldn't write out her tithe check to the church that we pastored, but she'd write out her tithe check and she'd hand it to me. That lasted one time and I said, look lady, I love you and I appreciate your love. You're a sweet, sweet woman of God. But here's the truth. You're not bringing your tithes to the preacher. You're supposed to bring your tithes to the storehouse. And so quit writing it out to me. You write it out to the Lord. You bring it to the house of the Lord and then let God do with it what He please. Here's the reality. When you put your money in the offering plate, you loose it. You let it go. You take your hands off of it so God can do with it as He pleases. But we've got to be obedient to the Lord and not just the preacher who brings it up and talks about it. We've got to be obedient to the Word of God. And then, when we're obedient... Because these disciples were obedient to the word of the Lord and they went to the location where Jesus said, ultimately things were made better because of their obedience. Can I tell you today that if we'll be obedient unto the Lord with something like love, listen, you may have aught with a brother or a sister or a friend, but if you'll be obedient unto the Lord and continue to love them, that situation can be made better. If you'll be obedient unto the Lord with with repentance unto salvation, you may be going down a path that'll lead you to an eternity in the devil's hell, but that situation can be made better by Jesus. If you'll be obedient unto the word of the Lord on tithes and offering, you may not have two pennies to rub together. Oh, preacher, I don't have enough money to pay tithes, friend. You don't have enough money to not pay tithes. I believe our finances are made better. The washing machine and the dryer last longer. The wheels on the car last longer. The clothes you're wearing last longer. Stuff doesn't wear out or run apart. All because we're faithful and obedient unto the word of the Lord. We've got a choice. We can stay the way we are or we can be made better. And it all begins with obedience unto the word of the Lord. How can we be made better by Jesus? It comes through obedience. Another way we can be made better by Jesus, and that is it happens through trust. Trust. Look at verses 5 and 6 with me, please. Verse 5 says, 
But some of those who stood there said to them, What are you doing loosening this colt? And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded. So they let him go. I believe that it's going to take trust in order to find obedience. You've got to trust somebody in order to obey them. How many are with me today? And it's trust and obedience that will take us to the path of being made better by Jesus Christ. If we trust Him enough to obey His words... Mr. Webster defines trust as reliance. Get that, just note takers, write it down. Trust is reliance. Let me give you some examples. We trust or rely that when we walk over to the switch on the wall and flip it up, the lights are going to come on. We're trusting or relying on the fact that when we turn the key in the ignition in the car or the truck, it's going to start. We're trusting or we're relying on that when we set the alarm clock to get up next Sunday morning to be here for the 815 service, the alarm clock's going to go off. We're trusting or relying on that if we'll take one uh, every 12 hours, that headache will go away and it'll stay away. Are you here today, folks? You know, if we trust a Tylenol and we trust an alarm clock and we trust the ignition in a car and we trust the light switch on the wall, how many think it's time for the man of God and the woman of God to begin to trust Almighty God? Man will fail you, man will let you down, but God never will. If you'll put your trust and your reliance in Him, I'm promising you today He can make things better in your life if you'll trust and rely on Him. Here in our text, we see the obedience, the trust, the reliance from the disciples and from the men whom this cult belonged to. The disciples had trust and reliance on Jesus, so they went into town and and went exactly to the place where Jesus said the cult was going to be. And then they walked up to these guys. uh, They walked up to the cult and they began to untie it. And these old boys that this cult belonged to said, Hey, Bubba, just what do you think you're doing? That's, that's my donkey's colt. Hey, that... Yeah, that's paraphrasing. Thank you, Brother Black. That's not the New King James. That's the New Oakey Bible. Hey, Bubba, what are you doing trying to steal my donkey's colt? Who do you think you are? And these disciples trusted and relied on Jesus enough to speak the same words, Brother Jerry, that the Lord had told them to speak. They said... The Lord has need of him. The Bible says they spoke exactly what Jesus had said for them to speak. And the people who had ownership of that donkey said, Well, if the Lord has need of him, you load him up and take him on out of here. Come on, church, if we'll be reliant and trustworthy enough on God to speak the words that he's told us to speak, I'm telling you the situation can be made better. What I believe we can learn from this is a simple truth. If we trust Him enough to rely on Him to speak His words and not our words. The Lord said, Jesus said, the Father said, the Holy Spirit said, if we'll be more open and receptive to the words of the Holy Ghost and not our own words, I'm promising you whatever the situation is can turn around and be made better because we're reliant on Him and not on us. 
In the book of Mark chapter 11 verse 23, the Bible says, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will come to pass, he will have whatever he says. Jesus said, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. Jesus said, We've got the power in our words to speak to mountains and see them gone. If I'll simply say what Jesus said, Mountain, go! <laughs> How many mountains are rumbling around out there today? There's a mountain in front of the United States of America today. There's a mountain over the nation of Ukraine today. There's a mountain in every nation around this, this globe today. There's mountains that are in your homes and in your families. There's mountains that are in your finances. There's mountains that are in your marriages and your relationships. There's marriages that are mountains that are in your ministries. There's mountains that are surrounding us today. But what we do is say, Oh, Lordy, look at that big old mountain. Mountain, mountain, mountain. Jesus said if we'd trust Him and rely on Him, we'd begin to say what He said and we'd see a response. What do I take away from that today? I believe today that every lost loved one can be saved. And instead of calling them lost, maybe it's time to start calling them saved. The Bible says that the Lord's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so instead of speaking lost over that person, maybe you should say, they're going to be saved because God doesn't want them lost. God wants them saved. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so I'm speaking salvation over your life instead of hell and damnation. That means every sickness has got to be healed. The Bible says, by His stripes we were healed. Past tense. It's already paid for. It's already taken care of. It's already done. I said a week ago, we're either saved by miracle, by medicine, or by way of the grave. Oh, pastor, we don't like that by way of the grave thing. Listen, some people receive their ultimate healing when they get to go home to be with Jesus. They get a brand new body. They get a brand new set of legs. They, they get a brand new heart. They get brand new lungs. They get brand new everything. They're restored completely. That means that sick loved one, that lost loved one, we can, we can pray healing, we can pray salvation over their lives. That means that one who's empty on the inside and has never received the indwelling power of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We can say, the Lord wants you filled to overflowing. Uh, the Lord sent His comforter, His counselor, so that you wouldn't be an orphan, you wouldn't be alone. The Lord said you could be filled up from the tips of your toes to the top of your head. And so I speak filling over your life today. All by speaking the words of the Lord. Too many times, y'all, we speak doubt and not faith. Too many times, guys, we speak doubt and discouragement. We, we speak what we see before our eyes. Listen, I'm not walking by sight. I'm walking by faith in the name of Jesus Christ. I trust Him. I rely on Him more than I rely on the switch on the wall. I trust Him. I'll rely on Him more than I rely on the Tylenol. We can speak that I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not below. I'm blessed going out and I'm blessed coming back in. All in the name of Jesus Christ. 
I don't have to see it to believe it. I know because I trust Him and my reliance is upon Him and it's going to cause me to be made better. How do we make ourselves better by Jesus? It takes trust and reliance. Oh, and one more thing I want to share with you today about being made better by Jesus. And that is the transformation. Thank God for transformation. How many transformed people are in the room today? Look with me at verse 7 in the Word. Verse 7 says, So when they brought the colt to Jesus, they threw their clothes on it, He sat on it. When they brought the colt to Jesus, they threw their clothes on it, He sat on it. I believe in the God of transformation today. I believe my God is able to change, to rearrange, to transform, to make something better than it ever was possible before to be made better. All by His touch. When both of my girls were little, they liked for their daddy to read them a bedtime story about every other night. One of their favorites was old King Midas. Anybody ever read the story of King Midas and his golden touch? The story of King Midas was whatever he touched turned to gold. It was a blessing at times and it was a curse at times. Things that he touched he wanted to see turned to gold were good and things that he touched he didn't necessarily want to be turned to gold were bad. Listen, I stand before you today that that was a cute story and there was nothing wrong with reading a story like that to my little girls uh, because it taught them a, a lesson and it helped them go to sleep so that I could have about 10 minutes of peace at night. But I also stand before you and submit there is a King of glory. There is a King of kings and a Lord of lords. There is the Master of all who His touch, everything He touches turns to gold. And it's always for the better. His name's not your name. His name's not my name. His name is Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords. The thing that stands out to me today in this story of the triumphal entry is simply this. Through the obedience, through the trust, through the reliance in them to to speak His names, to do the things that Jesus had asked them to do, it brought about a great transformation. He can take whatever situation that you're going through and make it better if we'll trust Him and speak His words over it. Verse 2 of the story tells us that this colt had never, ever been ridden. Now, I don't claim to know a whole lot about horses or donkeys. I'm sure not the cowboy that Brother Joey is or some of the others that are in this room today. But I do know enough to know this. If a donkey or a horse has never been ridden before, if you get on the back of it, Bubba, you better be ready for a rodeo. Because it's going to buck and it's going to kick and it's going to jump and it's going to do everything in its power to get whatever it's on its back off of it. Notice, when the Bible says that Jesus sat on the back of this donkey, it doesn't say anything about it bucking. It doesn't say it kicked. It doesn't say it jumped around. It doesn't say that it tried to get Jesus off of it. The only thing it says was that Jesus sat on it. Let me tell you, it was transformed by the touch of the King of glory. (laughs) Many, many years ago, my father bought a, a young paint colt. His name was Moses. He's about as old as Moses today. Daddy put that horse out in the front pasture. His motivation, his idea was he's going to tame that horse down. 
I mean, it was a colt. It was a, it was a young, brand new horse. Let it grow up. Teach it to be tame. Daddy'd walk out there with a, with a feed bucket and, and snap a lead rope on that horse and he'd walk it around and, and feed it in that bucket. And, and it got a little bigger. It got big enough to ride. And so Daddy thought, you know, that horse is just as tame as it possibly can be. So he put a saddle on it and brought it over and tied it up against a fence post and stepped into that stirrup and started to reach up and get on the back of that horse. Did I mention I wasn't much of a cowboy? My daddy wasn't a cowboy either. And daddy was laying in the middle of the pasture going, what happened? Daddy tried and tried and tried to, to, to break that horse, to tame that horse down. We got fence panels and we made a big circle out in the pasture. And daddy thought, well, if I can run him until he gets tired, maybe, maybe then he'll calm down enough I can get on the back of that horse, put the saddle on him and try to get on that horse again and laying on his back in the middle of the pasture. The only one, to this day, the only one who ever sat on the back of that horse for more than a minute was Josie Dotson. And the only and mama about panicked the whole time she was on her. The only reason that Josie was able to sit on the back of that horse was because she was a baby and she weighed about seven ounces. I mean, she was a little bitty kid at the time. Vonda was panic mode. Get her off that horse! Get her off that horse, please! Get her off that horse, please! Praying in the Holy Ghost. Get her off that horse. Horse didn't even know she was on her because she didn't weigh enough. The horse could feel that she was there. She thought she's big stuff. My brother owns that horse today. It's at his house. He's got a, some pasture land behind his house and he keeps old Moses out there. That horse turned into an overgrown dog because daddy would lead him around with a feed bucket and nobody ever rode that horse that I know of. My brother thinks he's a cowboy every once in a while and he gets the big idea that he wants to do something with him and he'll put the saddle on his back and old Moses will go to hopping and a-bouncing. When they put their coats on the back of that donkey's colt, Brother Dan, it never moved an inch. It never changed. It, it kept its same. What I take away from this story, what my personal belief is, these men who owned this donkey and the disciples who brought it to Jesus must have known that it was a wild, unridden, untamed donkey's colt that nobody had ever been on. And they brought it to Jesus. And by the time Jesus got done with it, He sent it back to them, more valuable and more precious because now it had been ridden. Now it was accustomed to somebody being on its back. Now it did know what it meant to feel the weight of something on its, on its saddle or on its back. Listen, friend, my God is able to do the exact same thing with you and I today. Our obedience, our trust, our reliance will bring about the transforming power of Jesus Christ and He can take whatever situation's going on in your life and turn it around for the good. He took that little boy's lunch, you know, those loaves and fishes, and He touched it. And all of a sudden, he, he took something that was ordinary and turned it into something extraordinary. He fed 5,000 plus people with the lunch that was brought before him on that day. Simply by his touch, it was made better. He touched Lazarus with his voice. Lazarus, come forth! And that stone was rolled away and old Lazarus come out of that tomb. 
doing the mummy walk. He was walking like an Egyptian. Some of you people really need to listen to some 80s music. He was transformed by the voice of Jesus Christ and the interaction he had with him. Lazarus was dead, but now he's alive. He's made better. The deaf, the lame, the blind, the lepers were all made better by Jesus. And I submit to you today, this old simple preacher that stands before you was made better by Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. And the old things have passed away. All things have become new. I was destined for an eternity in a devil's hell. The devil had a a, a two-handed hold on me, dragging me to hell with him. But that preacher gave that altar call for salvation. And I'd answered that altar call so many times before when I was a little kid, but I never, I never meant a time of it. And that time hit in my heart, and the Lord said, this is the time. And I've trusted Him, and I've done everything to obey Him. It doesn't mean that life's been a bed of roses. It doesn't mean that things have always gone easy. But I can tell you this, I'm not in jail. I'm not drunk somewhere. I'm not on my way to an eternity in hell. Uh, Things might not always go right for me. But the truth of the matter is, my name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. And I'm better because of Jesus. Better because of Jesus. I don't know what you walked in the door with today. You may think that you've got it all figured out. And maybe you do, friend. I I don't know too much anymore. (laughs) The fact of the matter is we all can improve. We all got junk. We all got baggage. We've all got stuff that we carry around with us. We've all got room for improvement. From the youngest person sitting in this room or listening to the sound of my voice to the most senior saint, we all have room for improvement. And, and we can try as hard as we want to try. We, we can listen to, to Dr. Phil and Oprah and, and buy all the self-help books. And but until we've been made better by Jesus, have we really been made better? Worship team, come help me today, please. Mm. Man, I love you guys. Thank you for, for putting up with my silliness. Thank you for allowing me to be me. I don't know who else to be. I've tried before to be somebody else, and I ain't him. (laughs) I'm just Gary. Like it or lump it, what you see is what you get. If you don't like it, go talk to Jesus. He's the one who made me what I am. When I was in the world, 
When I lived in the world, Brother Dan, I was a fool. I was an idiot. I acted, I acted a fool. I did some of the most foolish things. I did some of the most ignorant things. And man, I thought I was having fun. I thought I was whooping it up and living big. And If I had on a, a, a snap button, pearl snap button shirt, I was ready for town. Look out world, here I come. My wife just called me down. I ain't supposed to do that again. That's who I used to be. That's who I was. And I thought I was a pretty good old boy. I'd help anybody. I'd do anything. I, I don't care. I mean, I'll help you. I, I'd go out of my way to try. I wanted to be the best baseball player on the field. I wanted to be the hardest worker. I tried so hard in myself to do good stuff and to, to be somebody. If I could look the part, if I could work the part, if I could do enough stuff, then I was going to be good enough. And quite honestly, during that time, I worked so hard to please my earthly daddy. I wanted him to be happy. I wanted my daddy to smile. I wanted him to be proud of me. I'd hunt so hard. I'd fish so hard. I'd play baseball so hard. I'd work so hard all to hear my dad say, boy, Man, you did good. But something happened. Something changed. I was sitting about where Brother Philip's sitting at. We were in that church service simply so that I could be qualified to go play softball for somebody. You had to go to church in order to be eligible. And so I was meeting my obligation, man. I went to church so that I could play softball. Vonda and I were dating at the time. Oh, shh, we met in a bar. Yeah, she is passing out tracks, whatever. Not. I said, would you go to meet with me to church? I'd really like to play softball for these people. Yeah. She'd been waiting. Yeah. Y'all go. And that preacher gave that altar call. And I lifted that hand. And Jesus made me better. I didn't have all the answers. I didn't have it all figured out. And I still don't today. Because I hold this sign that says I'm a work in progress. I'm a work in progress. But I do know this much. I'm not who I used to be. I'm a new creation in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. He makes me better. What I found out, y'all, is that it didn't just stop with my salvation. It didn't just end whenever I said, Lord, come into my heart. But 
this last week we celebrated 33 years of marriage that began in a bar 33 years 34 in all actuality I'd love to tell you man that every step of the way was just roses and ice cream and it was we've been on a date for 34 years I'd love to tell you that but I can't tell you that that first little house we lived in in Coweta, Oklahoma country village little old teeny tiny house you know you can't buy a car today for what we paid for our first house $37,000 is what we paid for our very first house we ever lived in Bonda was pregnant with Jamie not not there You're, not immediately five years okay get off of me it wasn't a shotgun wedding y'all when she was pregnant with Jamie the hallways were about as wide as what your pews are she'd walk down that hallway sideways with that big old preg old belly sticking out and I was pretty skinny back then and I'd still rub bellies with her back then I was skinny and I'd love to tell you that you know through that season in our life we were newlyweds and everything just was precious all the time but I'm still an idiot I'm still dumb and there's holes in the walls of that house where I'd lose my temper and I'd punch the wall oh I was tough man I was so tough I'd just lose my temper I didn't know how stupid I was being and I was the guy that's got to go fix the hole in the wall now we did hang pictures over some of them for a while you know. how stupid I had the worst temper I'd fly off the handle at the drop of a hat. Oh, I was saved. I was going to heaven. Jesus lived in my heart. But I still had a temper. And it didn't take much for me to get mad. You know, Jesus took my temper away. I Don't push me. I mean, don't, don't, don't go crazy. Don't try me, but... there's a lady sitting on the front row that would testify to you my temper ain't sure what it used to be there's things that upset me there's things that rile me up but God God made me better pastor why are you stretching this out because I want you to know I want you to understand God can make anybody better it's not just the preacher. It's not just... He can, he can take any situation. We just have to be open and receptive to the process. He'll take your dents and your rust and your broken glass. He'll take your scratches and your dents and your dings and turn it into something beautiful. Made better by Jesus. Please bow your heads with me today. Precious Father, 
God, I love you so much. I'm thankful. God, I'm thankful that the, the work continues. God, I ask for myself today, continue to shape me, to make me, to mold me, less like myself, less like the world, God, and more like you every day. I don't want to be like the world, God, just passing through it. I want to be like you. Help me, Lord. Strive for righteousness in Christ. Lord, I pray for my, my friends, those that are sitting under this, this voice today, under your ministry today, God, I'm asking you to, to help us look inwardly. God, we all have room for improvement. God, may we not be resistant to the process, but may we be open. Take our dents and dings and our broken glass, God, and turn it into something beautiful. I ask in Jesus' name. Please, with heads bowed, with eyes closed. If you're in this room and you'd say, Pastor, I need Jesus to make my soul better. I, I need salvation. I need to know Him as Lord of my life. I've, I've never entered into a relationship with Him. Or, or I did, and I, I didn't really mean it. Now, now I need Jesus to save my soul. Come on, if that's you, would you lift your hand? I just want to pray with you, friend. I don't want to make you uncomfortable. I don't want to embarrass you. I just want to pray with you. Pastor, that's me. I need Christ. Come on. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Nobody's looking around. This is you and God right now. You want to be made better? Do you have something in your life that you need Jesus to touch and make better today? Maybe it's your temper. Maybe it's maybe it's something else. But you know that if Jesus would touch it, it could change. It could get better. And you're just willing today for Him to touch it. Would you lift your hand? Pastor, I need Jesus to, to make me better. I've, I've got things that I need made better today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Congregation, would you stand with me today, please? I was talking about Clint and, and John earlier. They love to take old cars, things that we'd drive by and look at and think, man, what a hunk of junk. They like to take something like that and begin to work on it, polish it, and turn it into something beautiful. Brother Don's got a car. I don't know if it ever was at the state of being a, a rust bucket or not, but Brother Don's got an older vehicle like that that's, that's just immaculate. It's beautiful. It, it's been worked on and polished and restored. The thing about those, those vehicles, the thing about taking something out of the field and working on it, it's got to be brought to the shop. You don't do that work on it out there because your tools to work on it aren't out there. The tools to work on it are there in the, the garage, they're there in the shop. Woo, that's good, Pastor. The tools to work on it aren't at the restaurant today. The tools to make it better aren't someplace else, but I believe they're in the altars. 
meeting with him right here is the beginning process of making it better. So I ask you today to spend some time with the Lord. Spend some time in the shop letting him make it better. Either find you a place here at the front or make an altar where you're at. Please, friend, let's get worked on today. God bless you. You. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, bye.